Welcome to Infinity Rewatch. My name is Andrew Fantasia, and I am joined by my very spectacular co-host, who, in fact, would kill for Megan Thee Stallion, Ryan J. Marvel. What's up, everybody? That's right. Here we are. Another episode down. We apologize for missing episode two. This is going to be a doubleheader episode, uh, which I will aptly name the People versus She-Hulk. A doubleheader uh, just like famous Hulk villain by Beast. You're welcome, there you Marvel go. fans. <laughs> Another, there's a Marvel Easter egg for you right then and there. Uh, so we're going to recall and talk about both episodes two and three, which is kind of fitting because those two are very well joined together. Like, they really are. I, you couldn't have planned it better. Like, we couldn't have planned it better to accidentally not be able to do the second episode, but then do two and three together um and uh yeah i mean oh man the show is just absolute perfection do i wish they came out with every single episode at once absolutely i would love to sit and just watch the show concurrently all the way through especially when they're this short it would have been cool if they released like three at a time just have it spread yeah. out over three weeks i think i could dig that too um i have a cool marvel story that's not She-Hulk related that I wanted to tell you before we started, because I, I think you will appreciate mm -hmm. this. When it happened, I thought of you. So I was playing Marvel United yesterday. Uh, the, uh, the board game of Marvel to end all board games of Marvel. And you can see the video about it uh, that we put up on the channel here as well. Um, and for the first time, Ryan, because I always choose randomly from the heroes, for the first time I got to play as Colossus. And Ooh. not only was it my first time playing Colossus, but I beat the villain using the fastball special, which is an actual card you can play. No way. <laughs> what it, so how does the fastball special work, though? Because the fastball special is with him and Wolverine. But does the card say that you're throwing Wolverine at him? No, the picture shows clearly what is Wolverine's feet. You can just see him being thrown. But the oh, way yeah. it works is... You uh, you move to a space with a character, and then you th you throw that character to an adjacent space, and they do two damage there. So Amazing. that's that's exactly how it worked. Uh, the villain oh. was there, and I moved to it was Luke Cage who I threw. So that guy weighs a lot. Wow! So I picked up Luke Cage and I threw him at Corvus Glaive, and I beat the game. Amazing! What a <laughs> way to win, too. Oh my god. That's that's the way to do it, my friend. That's the way to do it. And like in that game, like that game, everybody, if you're looking for clutch like Marvel moments against a villain, that's the game for you. Like I think every single time we played it, we've had like a clutch moment of winning or losing terribly. Oh yeah, losing has never been as much fun as it is in that game. It's just because yeah. it was like so close. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It's absolutely, it's just, yeah, it's it's crazy. But that's awesome, man. I, I love Colossus. I mean, my favorite iteration of them is definitely the uh, the cartoon, which inspired the Deadpool one, I imagine, because the, the similarities are very close. Oh, yeah, the Deadpool one is great. And that game has, I mean, there's so much in there. It has a lot of villains. But one villain it still needs is Abomination. Yes, that's true. Uh, and, and you know, what an interesting transformation uh, for this villain. First of all, this show does a good job of actually balancing the lawyer show versus a superhero MCU story. Yes. Um, so you're really getting a definitive two experience like thing here. 
it honestly this kind of feels to me like the same level of enthusiasm i had when daredevil first came out like when daredevil first came out my brother and i ran downstairs and like we were just so <laughs> so first of all my brother was working late that day and when he found out he was working later than he normally would he messaged me and he's like dude if you want to watch without me it's cool i'm like no we leave nobody behind <laughs> and and the best part is is at the time we were we were uh still enjoying the the amazing world of living at your parents place uh which if you have loving parents i recommend riding that train as long as you possibly can yes save save your money and live with your if you have loving parents live with them as much as you can um but that being said uh the point was is like it was we had the house to ourselves and we ordered pizza pizza just sloppy food and like which is like exactly what you want and like my brother comes home and we're just like yeah <laughs> like just imagine these late 20 year olds like having like the most childish joy and she hulk brings that same level of enthusiasm like you texted me the image of she hulk today and it was just like yeah let's do it like she hulk every time like i can't capture that enthusiasm on the phone but if i could i would and and yeah it's it's like yeah it's just a really exciting show but my point is i do like the lawyer world for marvel it's fun because it literally is like it's opposing ideologies in the justice system which is fun to see yeah. on both both being like just superheroes physically doling out these like uh different sides of opinions but it's also fun to see the mental battle and then proving it to a judge of who's right versus who who's wrong and so in the first episode or sorry in the second episode a couple interesting things here um first of all in the the big thing big takeaway in the second episode is so um so uh tatiana loses or sorry tatiana <laughs> jennifer walters loses her job and so now she's on the hunt for a new job and the best part is right out of the gate did you see the website she was looking at I didn't see it at first, and then I saw a photo afterwards with the little news articles on the side. Yeah, man. So this is this has got a lot of people hyped, and I think Marvel's doing a good job. If it, but it all uh, all depends on how the next few, or how the next week plays out, which which you and I need to talk about, sir. But. Um, it's interesting that because in the website there's a QR code. If you scan the QR code, it's another comic preview of She-Hulk 2004, which is in, which was the reinvention of She-Hulk that actually put her back on the map. This is one of those characters that had a great run in the 80s, and then in the latter half of the 90s, she just kind of staled out a little bit. No one really knew what to do with her. Then this guy who was actually a lawyer comes along and then rewrites her and does a comedy with her focuses on like the funny side of justice and like uh and like the kind of like the dark comedy of how justice works and then putting the superhero element in it as well and um they actually put a comic book preview of the 2004 run which was a really big run for she-hulk uh which was really cool but underneath there's different headlines there's one about iron man shoes which would seem pretty cool i think it was called like iron man air jordans or something like that uh, but one of the headlines is Claude Mann 
starts a brawl at a bar and you clearly know there's only one person they're talking about and you know that what he does isn't very nice that's right they're talking about dr claw the villain from the hit tv series inspector gadget <laughs> and everybody knows he starts bar fights all the time um and get your gadgets yeah, next time that guy was so cool and then whoever Whoever has that voice, whoever was the voice actor for that, I hope his answering machine was of like, I'm not home. Please leave a message. I like hope something so. like that. I think it might have been Frank Welker. Because Frank Welker was the voice of the Cave of Wonders. So oh, I feel yeah. like it's it could be him. Uh, yeah, like the Wolverine good. thing, that, that was, uh, was pretty neat. That was a cool little sneaky thing for them to do and a nice way of letting us know, yeah, the mutants are out there. Um, I think I think the first scene for Wolverine, even though we've seen it, even though we've seen it before, should be him having the bar having brawl. That, having that brawl, that yeah, that would be cool. And I think that this also, um, maybe maybe we're reading too much into it, but it it might put to rest the whole idea that the mutants don't exist yet, and something's gonna happen to drop them in, uh, because they do exist. This, this is happening. Uh, and so that was nice. And then we also get the other article where it says, why is there a giant man sticking out of the ocean? So finally, some people are talking about that, which is great. Um, but yeah, the, the deafness with which they handle the law and the superheroes, uh, I think what the show is going to end up doing is it's going to start very entrenched in the law world. And then it's going to dive deeper into the heroics world because Jennifer doesn't want to run around, you know, her goal right now isn't like, man, if anybody named King shows up, I can't wait to stop them. No, her goal is to just mm -hmm. be normal and have a normal life and do her job. But I think that the world of justice in the court is going to get mixed up with the world of crime, as we see later in episode three. And it's going to start that ball rolling and she's going to be over her head. I thought it was funny last week uh, in the episode two when Jennifer's talking about her. She, has, she says she has uh, six figures of student loan debt. And I thought that was funny because that episode came out literally the day after, Ryan, President Joe Biden obliterated student loan debt. So I thought that that was a pretty funny coincidence that they talked about that, like within 24 hours of one another. That, she she yeah, missed no. the boat. <laughs> she just missed it. I, that's amazing. I actually didn't check that out yet, but that's that's incredible news of that uh that's happening. That's really amazing. But uh, I think the interesting thing that I want to take away from that, aside from the amazing fact that, you know, President Joe Biden just obliterated student loans, uh, is that the other major thing here is I think you're right. I think the interesting thing here is at this point, we know the viewer, we know as the viewers, the world is not as contained uh as as the mcu makes it appear everything still feels a bit divided um despite you know and the events of endgame happening like like it's it takes she hulk to just verbally confirm that like the world is like unfolding and unraveling with superpowered beings and i think through she hulk it's kind of cool that it is unraveling because i think that i think you're right i don't think we need like you know an event to create the mutants we just need to be exposed to them and see them more and like even the crime underworld like everything is still compartmentalized like captain america has political problems and he deals with political problem things iron man deals with people stealing his tech 
and he deals with tech stealing things. But where are the citizens and all this? Like, where's like where's the city? Because the city is a character in the comic. The city is a character, and and people come in and out all the time. Like you'll see Spider-Man team up with Human Torch. They go to school together. It's a thing, right? But like MCU, it's, even though it's cross-pollinating, it's not quite there yet. And the fact that She-Hulk is confirming that, being like, being like, um, you know, superpower people are popping up everywhere. Like that's that's a big deal. Like that's huge. Why? Why is this happening now? And that's that's really the key question in this whole series is why is this being addressed now? And the cool part is is maybe it's because of this whole blip thing. Um, but we we know a couple things. First of all, Kingpin is reestablishing his empire. That's what he is doing during the, during the post of uh, Endgame events. Is that's what Kevin Feige has confirmed. Right. So in terms of the crime world being taken over here or the crime world, crime world resurging here, um, but we're getting superpowered people popping up everywhere. And now they're all just running amok. And, and the law, like we have the Sokovia Accords to manage the Avengers, but how is the justice system addressing superpowered individuals? So we will, I, I personally believe there is going to be a hint or a reference to another civil war. Uh, it's just, it's just bound to happen, especially with the amount of players that are uh, that are at Marvel's uh, thing here. I think we're going to get Avengers versus X-Men. I think that's going to happen, too. But like you said, let's not look too far out. But I think what's interesting here that you're saying and what you're addressing is that, uh, again, superpower people are popping up everywhere. So it's kind of like I think the lens through the characters now are being exposed to superpower people everywhere. And that's that's really cool. Yeah, and this guy, this man, whose name slips my mind, who started this superhero division at his law firm, uh, he's getting ahead of the curve here because he can see that this is starting to become a bigger and bigger issue. And I'm mm -hmm. curious, you know, how is that law firm going to eventually deal with people like damage control, with people like um, the, the Thunderbolts? Because if the Thunderbolts are as government funded as we imagine they will be, then they're going to go hand in hand with this. So there's a lot of like, uh, there's a lot of potential stories you could set up just with this law firm existing, which is really cool. And and I don't want to, I mean, it's too early to talk about Daredevil because he hasn't shown up yet in the show, but because of the whole separation that you mentioned, She-Hulk lives in LA. Uh, so that means at some point either Matt Murdock is going to go to LA or Jennifer Walters is going to go to New York and whichever the two it may be, it raises a question. Why? What is X doing in that city? What are they doing there? Personally, I hope it's Jen going to New York because Kingpin's up to some stuff. Uh, but you know, that's neither here nor there, but yeah, this is going to be, even though it feels separated, you're right. This, the idea that this law firm exists is going to really take all these sort of street level things that the MCU has been building and mm -hmm. create a place, a physical location where all of these disparate people and events might cross paths. So that's exciting. And I don't think, I feel like that's the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway so far from this show that we've only seen a third of that. I don't feel like all the people are talking about on Twitter or anything, Ryan, I could be wrong, but it feels like it's either, the She-Hulk hate, because that's, unfortunately, that's there on Twitter. Or just people saying, no, don't hate on it. It's a fun show, and I like it, and I can't wait for cameos, whatever. But nobody seems to be talking about this that you bring up, this idea of, hey, 
this is creating a new space where a lot of cool shit is going to go down in the future, but we got to lay this groundwork first. This is basically creating the, if you will, a street level shield almost. Uh, and I don't mean that in terms of what shield does. I mean that in terms of what shield is this umbrella of, of uh, an organization where you have a lot of characters you constantly get put into it for whatever reason. So I'm looking forward to seeing this law firm get used in that way in the future. Absolutely. And and that's kind of what what's interesting and brings us to the pacing of the second episode. Because, like, again, we're getting the fun lawyer show. We got Pug. He's a fun character. Uh, in the interviews with the actor, he said that, you know, the character is kind of just like a Marvel fan, really, if you think about it. He's just he loves superheroes and he loves uh, he loves interacting with them just as much as. He's a fan of being uh, being Marvel and watching all the characters come to life in the MCU, that kind of thing. Um, but that being said, the interesting thing about the episode, of course, and the big show stealer of the the episode is, uh, of course, being uh, enlisted to uh, help Emil Blonsky with his parole, which mm -hmm. transitions us to the latter half of the second episode into the big thing. Now, what I like about this is, of course... For me, as a uh, uh, for me, one of the big things I love about the show and or what the show is doing is they're bringing back villains. Marvel needs to do that more, bring yeah. back villains. And Abomination is again, this is not a character. This is this is an amazing character to be bring back, especially too. Like, sure, we could get uh, well, no, he's pretty dead, or at least no one really dies in Marvel. But like, you know, Anton Vankov is gone. Like, as far as we know, we're probably not going to see him again. But it's great that we're getting Emil Bonsky back and we're getting the Abomination. Like, he's a big character in the comics. He's a big Hulk villain. Um, and the interesting thing here is, is again, I mean, who's, like, Emil Bonsky may have money, but I don't know. To hire a firm like that seems a bit out of his, you know, league, if you ask me. But uh, there's, there's a lot going on. I think there's a lot going on here that meets the eye. Um, and a lot of questions like, first of all, if you look at all the street level shows, you look at Winter Soldier, um, you look at, or sorry, you look at Winter Soldier, especially, of course, uh, one of the big things is, is like someone is acquiring like big, like access to military stuff. And then now there's this giant superhero prison with the abomination there. And now someone's getting that person out. So who is the shadowy figure that is organizing this? Could it be Kingpin? I don't think so. This goes back to this epic conversation you, myself, and Anna had about who is the one that was pushing Agent 13. Is it the Skrulls? I don't think so. I don't know why. Why? Like, aside from the Skrulls just getting all this advantage on, on an, in the secret invasion, if you will, it doesn't seem right to me. Someone's got to be steering this this thing, and it, it could be um, Julia Dreyfus's character, but she, I think, she's reporting to somebody too. I think there's there's someone above all of them. Could be Kingpin. I would love if it's Norman Osborn, like a new Osborn, because uh, again, it could this could be a political move where because um, Osborn and Oscorp is just acquiring everything. And we're going to see a different Osborne this time around. And the re and this goes back to my reasoning for um, Spider-Man No Way Home and what's going on with that. 
I think Spider-Man No Way Home and, and Multiverse of Madness were a good fan service moment to give the fans what exactly they want. So Marvel can buy themselves an opportunity to recast these characters because they still gave you what you want. You wanted John Krasinski's Mr. Fantastic. You saw him. You got you got a good taste of him in, uh, you know, in Multiverse of Madness. Is it enough? I, it depends on how much of a fan you are of that casting. Did it work? Do you think it worked? I don't know. But they may consider recasting them, and you still got what you wanted. In the end, it's a win-win for everybody. Marvel, they gave you what you wanted. They gave you a cameo, which is enough, in my opinion. It's enough to fulfill that idea that, like, hey, we casted John Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic. You got that. But now we're going to tell a new Fantastic Four story, and we want to use new characters. And we maybe, maybe John Krasinski doesn't quite fit the tone of what we want to go for. Uh, apparently there's a new casting for that. So I think even with Norman Osborn, like you could say, Hey, look, William Defoe did a great job. And we loved, we loved him in the MCU. Like we loved, we loved seeing him in, in no way home, but we're going for a different tone now. And we want to try something different. Like we have Kingpin, you need someone who can compliment, but also if you go based on the cartoon, you need someone who can compliment Kingpin, but also as a character who is, deeply damaged and you could also but at the same time it needs to appear very sophisticated um so but maybe they bid on more they can choose so there's a lot of angles there William Defoe could do it he could but again they have the opportunity of starting something completely different dude I love that you're bringing up all these questions that I don't hear anybody else in the world bringing up on Twitter because everybody's too busy either hating or defending so thank you because <laughs> that's such a beautiful question yeah who's Paying, who's footing the bill for Jennifer Walters' time? Because and, and Jennifer Walters even or her friend even admitted that they're being paid hella dollars yeah. to work there. Like Blonsky was just a gun for hire. He he doesn't have that kind of capital. If it's Thunderbolt Ross, okay, but then you but know, why why would Ross need access to whatever Agent Thirteen was talking about? Because he's a military guy. He he would have access already. Yeah, so it's like who benefits from abomination being free other than abomination? Um, and it, it's another thing that it does, that this episode does, that makes me so excited for the future of this law firm in particular, is the fact that their first case, they're already throwing out the rules and being brazen because you could not have a more severe conflict of interest. And she even brings it up than by hiring Jennifer Walters to try to defend, uh, defend the man who was attempting to murder her cousin. So like they are already right at the gate saying, okay, our first case as this superhuman law division, we're going to essentially break the law. You're not allowed to have that kind of conflict of interest, but we're going to break it anyway by having her defend Emil Blonsky. So mm. that tells us, so much about this law firm that I wish I could remember the name of. And uh, it, it GH and K or something. G yeah, they show the logo a lot. G yeah, it's it, it's it looks like the crappy logo that they almost used for the show. Thank god, they <laughs> <go there. laughs> um, yeah. but it tells us so much about this law firm. And who knows, maybe maybe Wilson Fisk owns this law firm. Like, there's there's so many. Like the fact that it it broke such a cardinal rule of law so fast mm -hmm. says that either the person footing the bill 
you know, paid so much money that they threw caution to the wind, or the person calling the shots at the firm has something else in play there. But it's it's creating so many cool things that are bubbling under the surface that are so easy to miss because we're too busy having fun with She-Hulk. I love what this show's doing. Oh, no, absolutely. And I, I think you bring up a good point. I think a lot of people are missing what's really going on here. I think people are for, I think people are either too exhausted or or they're just not paying attention to the signals that seems to be developing here. Like this show is a huge building block in the Disney Plus side, or sorry, let me just put it this way, the merging side of the MCU. Like, I think this is actually moving the MCU forward. Hell whereas, yeah. whereas like, if you look at Song-Chi, you look at Eternals, those are placing things on all over the place, but there's no driving force that's moving the whole thing forward. And that's why I think She-Hulk excites me the most there. Now, upon thinking about it, you know, you talk about who is this shadowy person. If they don't do Osborne, what they can do is they can mold the Avengers disassembled story and just make Kingpin the center thing because he fits the bill, right? He can be a guy who runs for senator. He can be a guy who wants to create his own kind of evil Avengers that in the public image are seen as heroes, which is what Norman did. And on top of that, yeah, he can just recruit a new Thunderbolts kind of thing. Like, and because because if he's a senator, then he can push Talbot, who has been exposed to like Ross's, you know, Hulkbuster stuff and everything. You can easily you can kind of merge that story and do like the classic Marvel technique of like merging kind of uh, uh, one villain with a new arc from a different villain, and then mix, mix and match them up a bit. It could work because we want we want as much kingpin as possible at this point because everyone's just like oh, oh my yes, god yes we do yes we yeah. absolutely do right so that's definitely a possibility here um but yeah so there again this show i think there's a lot of big things going on now the fun thing is again bringing in emil blonsky here um blonsky uh i do like the kind of angle they're going with here because it seems like to me a guy who is you know, pretty crafty in the in in Incredible Hulk, which I watched not too long ago. He's a pretty crafty guy. He, you know, when he went to see Ross, he knew that the the super soldiers serum. Now, of course, anyone anyone in the military probably knew about Captain America and the super soldier serum, but he he recalled it kind of quickly. He didn't go like, oh yeah, it's Captain America. There's something about him, right? Like, no, he's like, no, super soldier serum. Right. Like he knew what was like, it's kind of like he knows how to climb to the top. Like he's one of those people that like will step over others to get to the highest level you could possibly obtain. And the other exciting thing about it is, is that um, I think with She-Hulk, he seems to play the system really well. Like he seems to, uh, especially as we kind of merge into episode three here. And I think for the the whole, just the theme of this episode is really like what's, I think what we're answering or trying to talk about here is what's going on. And what we're seeing here is a guy who really knows how to play to the camera. And there's even a tease that he mentions. He's like, well, the cameras are always on you. Like, so he clearly knows that he needs to work people all the time. So this, but I don't know if he's that crafty to know how to play people or if someone's talking to him and teaching him how to play people. Right. And I mean, that's something that the Blonsky of it all, he's still such a cipher 
when you look at the Incredible Hulk movie, it's easy to just sort of say the serum was making him mad the more he mm -hmm. took of it. Uh, and the reason it's easy to say that is because we spend very little time with Blonsky before he gets injected. Uh, we just get basically the, the Brazil stuff uh, where he just seems like any other grunt with a gun, except, you know, he just happens to be leading that group. Like he seems like a capable guy, but you don't really get much of a read on him other than that, except like what you said, he's opportunistic and he's, he's talking there with Ross and he's like, yeah, so want to level the playing field here a bit. Um, but we spend so little time with that pre-shot Blonsky that it's hard to gauge what this guy's all about and what he wants. Plus he's been sitting in that cell for 15 years, uh, mm. give or take. So that's a lot of time to ruminate. That's a lot of time to stew. That's a lot of time to plan. Uh, so who knows what's going through? I certainly don't trust the guy. Um, I don't know who these uh, these seven women are who started writing to him when he was in prison, but I don't trust them either. And I feel like he's um, he's got some kind of uh, not really necessarily master plan because I don't think Abomination is that kind of villain, but he's got sort of I feel like he's using somebody. Aside from Jen and the law firm, he's using somebody. And it's just curious to see, you know, what is that person getting out of, mm -hmm. out of this? Yeah. And exactly. So, it, again, there's, there's something. Someone's pup being the puppeteer in all this. Someone is pulling all the strings. And clearly they're winning. Whatever they're doing, they're, they're really, they're figuring it out. Um, mm -hmm. Now, the interesting thing, too, is you talked about, and, and this kind of fits in the theme of, like, where is this going? And I, I kind of wanted, I, I didn't quite bring it up, and I wanted to. We wanted to talk about Daredevil for a second, because we know Daredevil is coming. We know it's happening. Um, uh, apparently, the head writer says that the, 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 the cameo of Daredevil is going to really surprise you. So the fact that they showed it is one thing. The fact that the writer said that that cameo is going to surprise you, the fact that we know the cameo is coming and it's still going to surprise us, something pretty big is going to go down. Something pretty big has to, either something big is going to be set up, like we're talking like a Thanos end credit cameo of some kind, like that kind of level, or, or some really cool event is going to happen. Now, here's the interesting thing I'm going to tell you about. There's a very popular She-Hulk comic that was done in the later 2000s, around like 2008-ish. Uh, it's a comic I have and read. And uh, there's a scene where she goes to meet Daredevil in San Francisco. And uh, they go to meet up because Jennifer Walters' client is Dr. Doom's son. And mm. Dr. Doom's son comes to her and he's like, yo, Doom wants me to run, run Laveria. I don't want to do it. I don't want to be under his rule anymore. I need asylum. Because, like, apparently, like, he's, like, essentially he's a wanted fugitive from Latveria, and they want to extradite him back. And so he goes to Jennifer Walters to get him as a court case to get him out. Um, and so she's, like, 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 oh, your dad's, like, she finds out your dad's, like, your dad's Dr. Doom? Like, oh, my God. And, and he gets attacked by Doombots and, like, and, like, constantly being harassed by Doombots and stuff. So she gets upset emotionally because he's like, yo, like if your son wants to leave, you need to let him like live his life. Like, you know, you can't just impose things on him kind of thing. 
Yeah. But it gets she never gets to talk to Doom directly. She only gets to, you know, do her lawyer thing. So she meets up with Matt and she they talk about the difference between being a lawyer and being a superhero and what you can do and what you can't do. And so they have this really cool overarching debate about it. And Matt ends up saying, like, look, like justice has to be done through the justice system. But at the same time, outside of justice hours, you know, it, you know, you know the law better than anyone else. Right. So you you can do with it within whatever means you want to do. So she ends up storming Latveria in She-Hulk form. She like ends up, she tries to get Doom's attention, which uh, like just totally fails. So she goes, "All right, I really got to Hulk out here." So she grabs like a giant turret and just starts like blowing up like parts of the parts of the castle and everything, until uh, a giant Doom bot comes out of nowhere that's remote controlled by Doom, and he's like, "What do you want?" And she goes, and then she goes into her speech about leaving her son alone and like what his ultimate feelings are. But I think to take away from that scene and that issue is I think what Jennifer Walters is going to have is that story arc of, of the difference between being a lawyer and being a superhero. Because Daredevil's been doing it for a while. She's only been doing it for a few weeks. So, yes. And she, she technically got her first taste of it at the end of episode three. So, um, so what's interesting here is I think that story arc is going to take place because we have we have what's going on in the MCU, and there's still a couple questions here. Like, where is Hulk going? Like, why is the Sakar ship picking up the Hulk and taking him wherever he's going? Is is Fury still recruiting him for things? Because Fury, when the events of Avengers happened, he recruited Banner for specializing in certain gamma radiation, and and needed his help for all the sciency stuff. So is Fury still doing that? I don't think that's Fury. I think uh, I think Hulk got somebody pregnant on Sakaar. Oh, get the little Hulkling. Yeah, I think they're like, listen, you got to come take care of this. You got you got something you got to deal with out here in space. Uh, that makes me happy because Sakaar is maybe like in my top three favorite locations in all of the MCU because it's just it is so a beautiful, beautiful city, it's, right? It's gorgeous. So. Any excuse to go back there. That's what I think might be happening. Maybe you'll see the Grandmaster again, because that would be fun if those scrappers didn't tear him apart. Um, one more quick little fun Easter egg here, and then we'll we'll seek into episode three. Uh, the the dinner scene with Jennifer's family, right? We met her family <laughs> for a bit. Uh, she's got yeah. a weird... Uh, I don't know if that's her brother or whatever, the guy with the man bun, but there's like a yeah. weird dude there. Uh, but I thought it was a really cool piece of casting uh, for the gentleman who played her father. And I should have looked up the actor's name, but I didn't. And that's my bad. But uh, the guy who played her father was the star of the 80s sitcom Perfect Strangers. He played Larry. And the whole crux of Perfect Strangers is here's a person trying to live a normal life. And then their wacky cousin comes along and turns everything upside down. Now, if that isn't a perfect... Yeah. One, one analogy of She-Hulk, <laughs> like I yeah. don't know what is right. Yeah. Uh huh. No, yeah, I love it. I but I, that's the thing. Like, to be honest, I love that this is a show. I really do. But the spectacle of this one really makes it feel like a movie. Is it just me? Like, it really feels like a complete movie experience, just based on what they give you. 
Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, really interesting casting there. I mean, I didn't even know that, but that's really clever that they did that for sure. There's, I, I think, I think, uh, I think this show continues to prove like Marvel knows what they're doing. They, they absolutely, sure. They made some mistakes. They, they have some flaws, but they know what they're doing. They know what they want to do. And, um, yeah, that family scenes, that family scene is, is, is a lot of fun, but it really sets the tone for, it really keeps with the tone and the the fun of She-Hulk and what She-Hulk's all about. Like, I, this is, it's kind of a, a fun, it's a fun parody of an origin story is really what it is. She gets these powers and you think like, oh yeah, she just transforms into a superhero and that's it. No, she literally goes to her family's house when she lost a job and they're all talking about, you know, like, uh, you know, that she's a, a superhero now. And yet, you know, oh, if you, you got to set up your image, like, you know, it's all the little, the little details. Like one thing we learned in text analysis, I think I mentioned this a while back uh, or in the last episode is the best part is, is like, you always want to know what's happening behind the scenes, like what led to the major scenes. And this show is a perfect exercise, not only giving you the major events and like, that's why I was so mad with episode two because it was a fun, it was fun. Uh, but what was frustrating about it was like, as you get to the Blonsky scene, you're leaning forward and the episode's done. Yep. And you're just like, Oh my God. <laughs> no, Marvel certainly knows what they're doing. I mean, they've reached the point now where they made a, a nine episode courtroom comedy starring a six foot seven inch green woman. So, <laughs> and they're making it work. So, I mean, that's a testament to their skill. Uh, and then along comes today's episode, episode three. And right off the top, we get what I think, Ryan, is the most important quote that not only the show has given us, but that maybe phase four has given us. Uh, because I think a lot of people needed to hear this, which is just She-Hulk saying, just remember whose show this actually is. Uh, because yes, she knows because she breaks the fourth wall. She knows cameos are coming. We know cameos are coming. Yes, they excite us because it's fun to, you know, turn around and be like, hey, kids, it's moon night. All right. But <laughs> um, we have to separate the cameos from the quality. And I think a lot of fans find it hard to do that. If a cameo hits the wrong way or if they feel like it was too big or if they feel like it wasn't what they wanted, they see that as a judge of the show's quality, which is ridiculous to me because that would be like saying, we didn't see Daniel Craig's face when he played a stormtrooper in The Force Awakens, so The Force Awakens fucking sucks, one out of 10, right? Like that that's not how it's supposed to work. So the fact that She-Hulk addresses that and says, yeah, you're going to have fun, you're going to see Wong, you're going to see Abomination, you're going to see other people, but just don't forget whose name is on the sign. I love that she said that to remind us like that we should be paying attention to She-Hulk and it's not hard to pay attention to She-Hulk because she is cool, Ryan. She's really cool. And you know what? Like in terms of the quality of the show, like the CG is really good. It doesn't bother me at all. It's fun to watch. It's, like it's, it. it's really, it's really interesting to see. Um, and on top of that, yeah, it's, it is She-Hulk show. And that's why there's so many questions. That's why that's why I'm like there's there's some big flags that are being raised here and like there's a lot of story like this is like Loki quality story building here with like you know a potential Kang moment at the end. That's why that's why I'm like just kind of being rocked by this show because like it's her story 
but she's been involved in some big moments throughout Marvel history. And, and her story is working. Like it's telling a really interesting story, a really interesting piece. And that's why I'm asking like, why the superhero law division? Like now, and, and I, I know why in terms of me, the viewer getting what I need, the cameos, the, the, the unraveling of the Marvel universe, bringing people, bringing things closer together. And like on, on, and I, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? But there's kind of like a, um, Oh, this is gonna, uh, this word's gonna kill me. Pumpernickel. Yes, sure. But there's, but what's happening is, is again, it is there's a direct correlation between the events of what's going on with Marvel and what's going on with the people within the world of Marvel. Like, it's just, it's, it's kind of like one of those things where you read in the news, like, you know, someone winning the lottery in BC, like, and you just, you know, you would never run across, come across this person. But then you start hearing stories like people winning the lottery in Toronto and you're like, oh man, like you could have walked by this person. But that's my point now is like in Marvel, it's going to become so common with superheroes being everywhere that we're going to see more and more events as they unfold within these like constructs. So like, yeah, so now like we're in LA and like superheroes popping up everywhere, which we get this Asgardian shapeshifter uh, whose name escapes me at the moment. But it was Runa or something. Yeah, it's it's cool to see that it's gotten to that level now where she goes into the court. She goes into the law office and she starts changing into other people and messing up their world. Like that's how bad it should be in Marvel at this point. Yeah. Like yes, we have the Avengers and these the Avengers are treated exactly like they are in the comics. They they deal with god level threats. Like if someone's coming to destroy Earth, the Avengers are usually the first to respond. First to respond because they have Thor. They have the the world's best uh, super soldier. They have you know the world's best tech leader who's built in a suit that can help like literally destroy gods. Like that's how insane they are. Uh, they have the best scientists. They have the Hulk. They have everything. Right. Then you have the the world's best astronauts. You have Fantastic Four who are going out into the world. Right. They're going out. Then you have all these street level heroes where like you get the heroes for hire. You can hire them privately. You can get a superhero lawyer. Why are we seeing, why aren't we seeing more interactions on a more civilian level? Like these heroes should be everywhere. And that's why I love this, like as guardian shapeshifter, just like literally wrecking people's worlds because it's gotten to that level. And, and what is the justice system doing about it? What is Jennifer Walters doing with this justice like within the justice system to like either defend these people uh and again how is you know the justice system putting away these people we have this prison now who built the prison was damage control is it iron man who knows but there's a lot going on with she hulk's story that begs a lot of questions and and more questions means the you know story keeps moving forward and that's nine episodes so that means there's going to be a lot going on here and you get to the case about Emil Blonsky. And then the interesting thing is, is she's like, okay, well, you clearly feel bad for your actions. You came back to prison. This guy clearly seems to know how to play the system. And, and then she's like, yeah, I got a you know winning strategy. It's going to get him his parole. It's going to be fine. Then you have Wong break him out for whatever reason, <laughs> which begs the question. If Wong says, oh, yeah, I needed him to prove I'm like the Sorcerer Supreme what what in what rules does that prove that you're the sorcerer supreme yeah wong sounds like he's full of it there something's going on something weird 
I love, did you hear the word he used? The word he used made me very happy. He used the word kumite. Yeah. I took him to a kumite, which always gets me thinking of Bloodsport with Van Damme. Uh, oh, yes. I was just like, that, that really, I loved hearing Wong. Kumite, kumite. People need to scream that more often in public. I, I don't know. They do. I feel like civilization went wrong at some point and we stopped screaming kumite. But I feel like he's lying. That's a weird thing to do. If he's trying to prove himself by fighting a, a superior physical foe, I'm yeah. sure he knows a dimension where he could do, he could fight Rintra, the Minotaur. He could like why why specifically this guy who's locked up? So yeah, and, I smell and bullshit. The, yeah, there's something something's up here. Like that's the thing. There's so and and this show and like the whole thing about being in the courts is you present the facts. Mm-hmm. And the facts here, first of all, Wong's being very, you know, very mystique about this. Like he's very just like not giving you the whole answer here. And the other thing that's weird is a guy who seems to be on top of everything. He's late to a parole hearing. Yeah. That seems a bit out of character for Wong in my humble opinion here. Uh, and the other big thing is remember what Dr. Strange says when, when uh, um, uh, America Chavez was like, Oh, you're not the source of Supreme. He said it was on a technicality. So what does that mean? Also, are we to believe that this show takes place a little bit farther back in the timeline? Because episode two ends with Blonsky being broken out. Yes. To go fight Nakumite, which was Shang-Chi. And then he's brought back. And now the trial is happening. Or the hearing, rather. The, the, um, uh, the parole hearing is happening. So yeah. is this taking place like right around Shang-Chi time? That yeah, otherwise... they said it's it they said it takes place before Miss Marvel. And All it right. takes place but I think it takes place yeah, it must take place during the I, I, I saw a recent timeline and, and where She Hulk fits in the thing. Let me look that up real quick, but um yeah, there is it does take place a little bit earlier. Um not yeah. everything's in an exact order. Yeah, and it makes sense because otherwise why would they wait a year to have this pro I know law takes long, but that's a little ridiculous. Um, but the the uh, the world building you mentioned that this show is doing, that elf is just a wonderful example. Yeah, there's Asgardians running around, and I love how she just was all she wanted to do is prank people. She was hilarious. She's just sitting around like a little she reminded me of Puck from a Midsummer Night's Dream. She's just like, ah, I'm gonna go prank yeah. everybody. <laughs> Just completely just causing trouble everywhere she goes. And that's some of the beautiful stuff that we like to see is not just the character cameos, but like you said, the the imprint everything is leaving on the world. Personally, I'm still waiting to see, and I could be wrong, Ryan, maybe we've seen this already and I'm just being dumb, but mm-hmm. I'm waiting still to see the impact of Wakanda sharing its resources with the world. I feel like we haven't seen that yet. That's true. That's another big thing that's that's happening here. Um, I I would love to see. Um, I would love to see what the results of that are, and especially too is in the trailer for Wakanda Forever. It seems like um, Black Panther's uh, mom there. I think she's like she's dealing with the United Nations a lot. Like she's she's in front of the UN a lot. 
-hmm. So there is there is consequences here. And I think that's the other thing is we're seeing a lot of actions, but we haven't seen a lot of consequences to uh, to events within Marvel. Right. So uh, those consequences, the more we see of them, the happier I think everybody is going to be, I think. And the more Absolutely. I think it's going to make um, the idea of post-endgame not feel too isolated. Uh, yeah. And I, I love that. They're, like, they're already doing that. It's great. Uh, just, just, just more. Do it more. Do it more. It makes Do it more. Up. Do yeah. it more. Give us more. I want to see more re reactions to things. Um, but yeah, in the end, um, uh, in the end, uh, what's happening here is that uh, we're seeing, um, hmm, in the end, we're seeing Emil Blonsky get out, which is going to have big consequences. But mm -hmm. I don't think we're going to see it anytime soon. And that's another big problem is like we don't see these events anytime soon. You don't think we'll see Blonsky again? I think for sure he's gonna. No, no, I mean like we'll see a Blonsky again, but we won't see why. We won't get enough of why yet. Like that's gonna that's gonna be a build out in uh, itself. Maybe I'll be very surprised if he if we get results within the, the season. Maybe I, I I feel like we'll get a confrontation between her and Blonsky. Maybe even Hulk because that would be kind of cool to get Hulk mm -hmm. and Blonsky in a room again. Um. I think they're at the point now, like phase four is almost done. Uh, as far as we know, after this, there's just one movie and then that's it. Phase four is done. There's no more shows, no more nothing. Uh, so it'd be nice to kind of, okay, you're planting seeds, but it'd be nice to kind of see some of them sprout. And I think that this Blonsky thing could be something they show us. However, I feel like what's going to be more important to the She-Hulk show uh, and something that will be resolved in the She-Hulk show is this idea of what we get at the end, which is the Wrecking Crew. Because I feel like they talked about a boss who's going to be pissed off because they didn't get She-Hulk's blood. I feel like that boss, Ryan, has to be Titania. Because we've, we've got like two seconds of Titania and we know she's our main villain because they said she is. So, but what's she's her main deal? villain. But but who's again? Who's pulling the strings? Well, it could just be her, and I, I hope it is. I hope it's just her in this case because uh, leave the the puppet master stuff or the abomination, whatever. But like, what's Titania's deal, Ryan? Why why does she exist? Who is she? Why would she want Gamma Blood? What's going on here? Uh, you know, I wish I could. I wish I can give you an answer on that. Unfortunately, I I don't know. I talked to my brother, and I I really told him. I told him, I'm like, we need to bring you on the show. We need to figure out a date and time where we can get you on the show because this man reads all comics. He knows the characters. It's for me. I know. I know she Hulk because she mingles with the Avengers, but right. I don't know much about Titania and her solo stories as much. But I don't know her deal. I don't know what's her deal. I don't. But but at the same time, here's the thing. She doesn't manage the Wrecking Crew as as opposed to another character who does, who has made an appearance in the MCU. Are you talking about the leader? Uh -huh. Samuel Stearns has, uh, has managed the Wrecking Crew a lot more than Titania ever will. 
Um, and so I find it pretty I find it pretty interesting and bizarre that uh, that we haven't seen or heard anything about him yet. But I think that that could be a, a crafty choice there uh, if they're going to bring back Abomination from that one movie that they were both in. Why wouldn't you bring the other character? And he's all about making the world like hulks in their own way. So that's a big thing. Yes, it is. And I hope the leader fights Happy Hogan at some point because it's the forehead versus the forehead of security. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, the yeah. the Titania of it all is is interesting, and I have a funny story about Titania. First of all, Jamila Jamil is my future wife. I don't know if you know that, but she is. I, uh, I, you know, I, I, I think I've known you long enough to understand the kind of type you go for, <laughs> and basically the kind of type I go for is Jamila Jamil. Um, <laughs> yeah. But a funny story about her: the character of Titania, uh, I. I first saw like a thing about her and I read an article about it. So I first saw the character's name written out. I had, I've never seen her in a cartoon or anything. So I've never heard anybody say her name out loud. Uh, now there's, I don't know if you remember Ryan, but there's an episode of the Simpsons where the episode starts off with Mo in a competition, like a Duff beer competition. And the winner of the competition gets to have their face in the Duff calendar. Do you remember this? Uh, yes. It's like season nine yes, and he yeah. gets a facelift in the whole thing. Yes, yeah. it's that facelift episode. Uh, one, when he's doing that competition, there's one of his main competitors is uh, this woman who is extremely well endowed, and her name is spelled the exact same way, but on the show, on The Simpsons, it's pronounced Titania for obvious reasons. Now, <laughs> I'm trying to say this in the least crass way possible. <laughs> um, yeah, Jamila Jamil is also a very blessed woman in that regard. Um, so when I saw the name written out, I thought that it was spoken the same way, and I'm like, "This is weird and kind of raunchy for Marvel. What are they doing? Are we really gonna have Chihulk fight this girl named Titania?" And then I heard it being said out loud in like promo material and I felt really stupid. I was like, oh, Titania. Yeah. And it, it, it made a lot more sense. Yeah. No, honestly, um, I, I, I'm curious to see where this is going for sure. I mean, that's, I mean, that's a huge understatement for, for obvious reasons. But you're right. Titania is supposed to be like the major villain but is she is she a pawn for uh for uh allegra i think it's allegra uh can can valentina uh, allegra de fontaine that's right there you go uh valentina uh is it is it her pawn to move certain pieces on the chessboard into place maybe but it's but again, why why was the wrecking? First of all, we got the wrecking crew, which is yes. awesome. At first, there is a first there is a moment of hesitation for. I'm like, it's the wrecking crew. I'm like, wait, it's the wrecking crew. I want to. I was kind of like, uh, ooh, ah, ooh. but um, but yes, it's the wrecking crew, and I love they did exactly the Marvel formula way, which is the first you're like, okay, this is the new wrecking crew. Cool, I'm with it. Interesting way of doing it. Potentially wearing Asgardian tech. Um, which is interesting to me, actually. Uh, and uh, and then they have the fight, which is super fun. We get to see She-Hulk kind of have fun with it at the same time. 
And it's not until they get into the van that he goes, he, he mentions the name Thunderball, which yeah. is one of the members of the Wrecking Crew. Classic Marvel move, though, is you don't say who they are. Fans can guess who they are. And it, it by their outfits, you kind of figure it out pretty quickly. But the verbal confirmation of the one of the names of the characters, Wrecker says, um, you know, oh, yeah, it's the it's uh, Thunderball. And it's funny because the Wrecker kind of reminds me of Casey Jones. Yeah, I mean, the Wrecking Crew in general it has a very Casey Jones sort of like slapdash vigilante mentality to them. And, you know, without their Asgardian crowbars that they stole, they're just like a couple of, like a group of dudes who probably play in a bad band in one of their garages and, you know, mm -hmm. can't find dates. Um, I'm so happy we've reached the point where we now have a Marvel Cinematic Universe villain whose name is also a James Bond movie title. Uh, thank God for Thunderball. And the Wrecking Crew, I've been looking forward to them for a while. We thought we were going to get them in Miss Marvel, remember? Uh, yeah, and, and yeah. Here they finally are, um, and I think a much more fitting place. And it's so exciting to see them. I love the look of their weapons. It's so simple, but it's it's there. It's exactly what it needs to be. I'm hoping that their popularity means we will eventually, when we get, hopefully, if we get Marvel United season three, aside from Abomination, maybe they'll throw in some Wrecking Crew love. Um, but the. The ending of them, okay, we know they're trying to get blood, which, you know, was foreshadowed episode one. The blood is a big deal. Makes total sense. Red Hulk is coming. Uh, but uh, it, it just, it struck me as so odd today when that episode ended, Ryan. And I was like, thank God that they are trying this new avenue with this show. Because if not, we'd be halfway through the series already. And that is bananas to think about to be at this point halfway through the series so thank every buddha there is that we got nine out of this yes there is a lot of content there's a lot of ground to cover here and i mean a lot um it's it honestly um uh it, it's honestly it's interesting how this is going to play out. And I'm, I am, I will say with this show thus far, I will say that, uh, I, I am kind of getting a little hurt <laughs> with the whole weight, with the whole weight, like throw in some Phil content, the humor, but don't get me wrong. She-Hulk is fun through and through the whole episode. But it don't don't get, but don't you feel that there's like kind of like especially with like Miss Marvel for example they'll they'll kind of they'll kind of drag you along giving you some fun moments and then they'll drop like something big right near the end and it's classic TV show stuff like it's it's classic soap soap op style but like come on like it feel like we we need to get this story going you know what I mean like. I mean, She-Hulk gets perfect because we know there's nine episodes, but you're right. Imagine if there were six and you're still getting episodes where it's like, you know, filler, 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 moment, filler, 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 uh, you know, ending moment where that's going to grip you for the next episode. Like, I'm kind of getting a little, I'm kind of getting a little irked with that. That's all I'm going to say. I, I'm fine with it because we know that this is going to be a longer one. Like, if we knew that this was six episodes, I think I'd be crying right now. I think I'd be yeah. legitimately crying and I would be running down the street yelling, where the F is Titania already? Like, 
because there's so little time to work with. But the fact that we have six more of these coming uh, is, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. We don't feel rushed. Uh, the show is taking, uh, you know, as you are saying now, even somewhat of a leisurely pace. Uh, but I would rather it be this than it be, you know, how episode five of Ms. Marvel ended where she's like, I guess I'll go back to the States. And it's like, you're dealing with damage control now. Like, you know, yeah. so. <laughs> you know what? You know what? Fine, fine, fine. I'll accept it. Yeah. I'll, I'll take the, the leisurely nine episode thing any day of the week. Well, no, uh, but that's what, but that's what I'm saying. Like, imagine if this was six episodes and you're getting like, like you said, exactly, exactly what I mean. Like, this style of writing will work for this show, but Marvel cannot keep doing this. Like it's like Loki was interesting. Loki had a really interesting formula because two, one and two were big episodes. There was a lot of movement happening with big events. Three and four were kind of the filler, like, you know, character development, slower pace. And then like kick off to, you know, the Kang scenes, which are just like, like just like complete head exploding like what just happened so that's that's the kind of big thing for me but yeah with she hulk it can work that way but what i'm saying is let's let's not rest on those laurels there uh marvel let's not let's not let's not do this dance all the live long day keep reinventing the formula keep changing it like oh man well, I, I hope that this is a sign of things to come. I hope they've learned that the six episode things being locked into those was not the best idea. If mm. they have a fantastic idea for a show about Hellcat and that idea fits perfectly into six episodes, cool. But I hope that they learn that this does not have to be a rule, right? So, and I, I, it looks like they're starting to learn that uh because there's so much we know is still to come in this show and that has me so excited we're a third away and there's so much mm -hmm. more uh so as we wrap up here i'm gonna ask you a never tell me the odds all right the show is called she hulk attorney a lot um what are the odds ryan on the scale of zero percent to 100 percent if we get a season two or, you know, whatever, a movie. I don't know. If we get another thing that stars her, what are the odds that it will be called She-Hulk Avenger at Law? Uh, I think they'd be pretty slim, actually. Ooh. And I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. because, because we know there's Avengers movies coming. We know there's Secret Wars, and we know there's the Kang Dynasty. What I think we're going to see is something along the lines of like She-Hulk Civil War. Because it's all government related, right? It's all like, you know, Superhero Registration Act, you know, like they had the Scovia Accords. Then eventually America's just going to be like, we need to start registering superhuman individuals. Like, like, let me ask you, let me, let me use this show segment to ask you the same question what are the odds that this is going to end in the government feeling that they need to register every single superpowered individual? I think that the odds of that are very, very high, uh, especially because we now know Thunderbolts is looming on the horizon. Um, that's, 
what, two summers from now, 2024 is yeah. the Thunderbolt summer. So that's coming. So yeah, I think we're, we're going to get to that. And this show is a great way to get to that. So I think it's a very, like, I would say like, probably like a good 85% that yeah. this show will lead to some kind of registration or at least lay the groundwork for that. But I also think that it's a super high percentage that she will be an Avenger sooner rather than later. So I think the idea mm -hmm. of calling a season two She-Hulk Avenger a lot is really, really likely. I don't know. It's too, it's too close to the nose. It's way too close to the nose. Like, why would you play on the same subtitle when you could do like, like, you know, you have Captain America, first Avenger, Captain America, Winter Soldier, and then Captain America, Civil War. Now saying that makes me go, okay, it's obviously not going to be Seahawks Civil War, but who's to say that the story wouldn't be similar, right? And like, they, right. they're going to be clever with the title. Like, I, I don't know, like, She-Hulk Courts in Session, like something like that, you know, like something ridiculous, but... I don't think it's Avenger a lot. It's just too, it's too close to the original title for it to happen that that way. I'm gonna tell She-Hulk you said that, and she's gonna be really mad. She's gonna smash. I her hope so. Her. I mean, I would love to meet She-Hulk first of all. So, anyway, anyway that that we can make that happen, I would I would be totally accepting of it. I would be. I think if uh, if She-Hulk came to your apartment and she was angry. And she was wrecking things and she's like how dare you dismiss me as an avenger Ryan? i feel like you would find a way to like make friends with her and then you would become an avenger yourself I feel like that's what would happen i like where your head's at yeah she'd be like oh my god you're a virtuous superhero too you should totally be an avenger and then she would tell hulk she would tell all the other avengers and be like get this guy in there what would your avenger name be oh man uh Oh, Wonder Man's already taken. <laughs> ah, nice. uh, I have, I have no idea, dude. I am, out of the two of us, I'm not that quick. I'm not as quick-witted as you are. Did you have like an old gamer handle or something that you could use? I used my first ever gamer tag handle was D32 Bit Night because I loved like the old pixelated Super Nintendo world. And then, actually, you're right. You know, I'd probably. I, my my superhero name would probably be something like Crusader because I use that. That is true. That is name true. a lot. So you're you would be I got it. You're the 32 bit Crusader. There and you go. Your power is um, just like Link in the game A Link Between Worlds. You can turn into a flat 32 bit image of yourself and move along walls like a painting. <laughs> That's that would it. be a fun power. <laughs> I would absolutely love that. You heard it here first, everybody. Feige is making that show as we speak. It's coming out uh, March 2024, uh, two weeks after the premiere of Morbius 2. It's Morbin time. So catch it there. <laughs> Ryan, where can people find you when you're not being the 32-bit knight? As always, you can find me on twitch.tv forward slash Xbox Canada streaming on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 2 to 4. Sometimes it changes, sometimes it stays the same. We'll see. Um, but of course, you can also find me on Instagram at Ryan J. Whitehead. And you can find me on Twitter, which shout outs to Jonathan for always giving us those compliments. We read you, we see you. Jonathan! Thank you so much. Jonathan! Uh, appreciate it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Crusader Online.
And you can find me uh, playing Marvel United and throwing fastball specials at people and pining for a season three of that game. Or you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Andrew Fantasia. Uh, apparently my Instagram is at Andrew underscore Fantasia. I always forget to add that underscore. Uh, and then other than that, you can find me rejoicing because the month of September, we are going to have She-Hulk. We are going to have Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon. We're going to have the Rings of Power. We're going to have Cobra Kai Season 5. And we're going to have Star Wars Andor. I am never leaving my house. And most important of all, we're going to have D23 next Thursday. D23. With all the answers coming. Oh, they, they're oh, going to tell yes. us. They're literally going to tell us the ending of Secret Wars at D23. All the answers. Kevin yeah. Feige is just going to walk on stage and he's going to be like, Spider-Man. We're gonna get we're gonna get Fantastic Four casting announcement, and we're gonna get Doctor Doom casting announcement. Hundred percent. I I definitely think that's especially the Doom thing. I think the Doom thing is is a, a, a for sure. Uh, they also I don't know if you heard about this, but Disney is coming out with a trading card game to rival Magic: The Gathering and Pokemon, and they're going to reveal a first look at the cards at D twenty three. That would be really cool. Is it Disney overall? It's this. I think, I hope, and I hate to say this on a Marvel podcast, but I hope it won't have anything to do with Marvel or Star Wars. I hope it's just Disney. Because uh, that's a, a, a well that doesn't get tapped enough. Um, and it sounds like it is just Disney. So, like, I'm looking forward to that. It sounds like it's a lot of, like, you know, Mickey and Pete and Donald and the three Caballeros and Aladdin and Sleeping Beauty, like a lot of that stuff. Uh, it's called Disney Lorcana. That's the name of the game. Uh, lots of Sorcerer's Apprentice sounding stuff in there. So it, I'm, I'm curious to see what, as a Magic the Gathering fan, I'm curious to see what they plan on doing to create some competition in that market. Well, as a Marvel fan and a uh, and a card battling fan, I mean, the, the Marvel game that I'm excited for is Marvel Snap. That's which right. Is going to be done by the team who did Hearthstone, which is going to be epic. So yeah, but we'll stay tuned. Stay tuned. We're going to cut. We're going to get you guys all the updates when we find out what they are. They should also make a video game called Marvel Snap, but it's Pokemon Snap. But you're Peter Parker, and you're just going around, and you're just like, "Ooh, there's Captain Britain!" Right? <laughs> you have just created probably one of the best ideas for a video game. That would be so fun to do. Ubisoft, call me. Actually, no, don't call me Ubisoft. You got a, you got problems to sort out in house. All right, uh, some from software. Call me. You guys are all right. Or Nintendo, because yeah. you own the rights to Pokemon Snap. <laughs> anyway, this yeah, has yeah. been She-Hulk. Uh, this has been Infinity Rewatch episodes two and three. Uh, as usual, something goes on with this streaming thing where at the end of every episode we sound like the devil because the downloading speed slows down. So uh, I just wanted to clear the air about that. So don't be surprised and wonder why we all sound satanic at the end of every episode of Infinity Rewatch. It's not our fault. It's StreamYards. But until next time, Ryan and everyone have a marvelous day. <laughs>